being outside in nature, walking and therefore breathing is the most important thing any of us can do. You know, get out there and walk. If you can't walk, move in some other way. But we we need to walk and we need to breathe. That's that's a, a, an essential human function. Hello and welcome to The Daily Helping with Dr. Richard Schuster. Food for the brain, knowledge from the experts, tools to win at life. I'm your host, Dr. Richard. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, and whatever you do, this is the show that is going to help you become the best version of yourself. Each episode, you will hear from some of the most amazing, talented, and successful people on the planet who followed their passions and strive to help others. Join our movement to get a million people each day to commit acts of kindness for others. Together, we're going to make the world a better place. Are you ready? Because it's time for your Daily Helping. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Daily Helping Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Richard, and we've got a fascinating guest to share with you today. His name is Dr. Stefan Hemelik. He is really, truly a man who does so many different things. He's a physician, philosopher, writer, teacher, technology creator. He's the co-founder of BioSelf Technology, and his mission is to positively impact the lives of 100 million people by 2025. He is achieving this through exploring and furthering the understanding of sound processing in the bodies. He's one of only a handful of experts in the world with a combination of clinical experience, decades worth of clinical experience in stress, anxiety, and trauma, as well as lifelong direct experience of meditation, sound healing, music, and breath breath training. My goodness, Stefan, it's a wild combination. I'm so excited to talk about it. Welcome to The Daily Helping. Uh, Dr. Richard, I mean, just so exciting and thrilling to be here. Thank you. Well, I, I'm excited too. You know, you're you're one of these guys who truly, you know, marches to the beat of his own drum and has and has integrated some things that are so unique. So let's let's go back in time. Let's talk about because I know you, you know, you're a physician, but you do so many other things. So let's talk about your journey and how you got on the path you're on today. Yeah, I mean, journeys are so interesting, and also with hindsight, looking back at where how you got to where you uh, where you are now. I mean, I, I you know, I'm very lucky. I grew up in a um, a household where different ways of thinking were the norm. So, Dad taught me and my brother to meditate when we were very young. I was you know under ten, five or six or seven. So, you know, I've been I've been meditating in various schools and with various teachers. Uh, for my entire life, really. And uh, there was Buddhist philosophy uh, on the shelves. There was Sufi philosophy on the shelves. So exposure to um, uh, Eastern and other ways of thinking was pretty much the norm, really. And, and you know, we were eating, uh, uh, you know, back then in the way that people are sort of eating now in terms of uh, health uh, and, and, and the planet, if you like. So that, that, you know, that, it was from that basis, from that kind of root place that my interests developed. So I was, a, you know, I ran various businesses. I was in early, uh, in early punk bands. I was in the music business for quite a while. I was in the fashion business. But um, I uh, realized, you know, that my calling was in healthcare in particular. Uh, and for the last 30 years, 35 years now, uh, I've been working with an integrated healthcare, uh, particularly with a Chinese medicine speciality. And, uh, you know, my, my dad's kind of influenced in the experience of music and um, uh, meditation 
has informed my lifestyle and my practice throughout that process. Uh, that alongside um, being in nature really are the core principles um, that uh, that run run my, my personal life, but but therefore also my my vision and my company life. So this is interesting because you're truly like an East meets West kind of a kind of a guy, right? Like you have the traditional Western medicine training, but you've got these other things that you're doing. And one of the things that that we talked about. A little bit, or that I mentioned, I should say, in your intro, was sound healing, and so people may, you know, have heard that and just kind of say, "What? What is sound healing?" So, talk to us about that. Yeah, well, sound is incredibly powerful. We we know this. In fact, it's so ubiquitous and everywhere that we don't even really think about it. Uh, and in fact, sound is the one sense that we can't really cut off. You know, you can't. We don't have ear flaps. We don't have ear lids. So we're always hearing and processing sound. And sound and vibration and color and energy are all really, I mean, literally on a spectrum, right? They're all, um, they're, they're all quantifiable, measurable on a spectrum. You've got infrared uh, and infrasound. Uh, you've got ultraviolet and ultrasound. Um, uh, and so, the, you know, the difference between color, sound, and what we see is, um, is, is pretty minimal. It's, it's, it's deeply connected. And I think human beings, and this is why it's of interest to me, really, there's a lot of science around sound healing now, but human beings have used sound, particularly the uh, low frequency sound, infrasound, forever. You know, we have found ways to make our chest hum and resonate by breathing, by chanting, by mantra, by tapping the chest around a campfire. We've always done this. And we do it, you know, we do it in the shower, right? We sing and we hum in the shower because we know it makes us feel good. Uh, and we instinctively, we you know, obviously we we produce frequencies to various skill levels within our own bodies, uh, which we don't necessarily know what the frequency is, um, but we know when it feels good. And um, using those principles in clinic is what I've been obsessed with for decades now. So I started off by you know, sticking speakers under pillows uh, in the treatment room and then attaching big transducers to the couches to get the couch to hum and resonate. Um, and there are um, environments in, out there in the world that people can go to. So there are sound healing baths where you, you, know, you lie down on the floor and people uh, tap gongs and use big silicon uh, bowls, you know, singing bowls, um, you know, either in the room or on your body. And these um, the frequencies from these sound instruments enters the body and uh, 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 you know, very typically um, will produce a deep, relaxation a profound relaxation state in the majority of people being exposed to that so um it's a bit like um why babies go to sleep in the back of a car you know it's a bit like why cats sit like sitting on top of a washing machine there are certain frequencies um you know mechanical vibrations as well as musical frequencies which the primitive part of the nervous system the lower brain and the autonomic nervous system the vagus nerve in particular are tuned into and have an automatic sense of uh, engendering safety around. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> being carried as a child with a with a singing mother against your chest, humming against her chest and your chest, humming, singing to you. Um, it, we you know we do this naturally because from an evolutionary point of view, uh, it's very calming, it's very nourishing. So these are things that we've been exposed to, you know 
for the history of mankind. And science really now is in many ways is, is, is codifying what the frequency, the individual frequencies do, which is fantastic. So I want to, this is interesting. And as you've been talking, I'm immediately thinking of um, the Buddhist chanting. Um, and I'm thinking of even like a chorus of monks, you know, that are, that are singing at these frequencies. So you said science and, and, the, and I, and I love the science part of this. So science is now codifying what we've been doing forever. Uh, so tell us what the science has shown us about what these different sound frequencies and vibrational frequencies really do. Yeah. So medical science um, and and for a good reason, sometimes tends to be about a decade behind, um, you know, cutting edge science. So you know, if you talk to physicists and quantum physicists, etc., they you know they will quite clearly say um, without a problem that uh, um, all all matter is vibration and frequency. That you know that is really what determines the state of everything in the universe, the speed and the way in which it vibrates. Um, uh, now, that hasn't quite translated into mainstream medicine yet as in terms of what that means and how you utilize that. But within the sort of uh, the um, uh, integrated and the complementary areas of, of healthcare and medicine, um, there's a lot of people using sound and frequency to support healing. Now, of course, we do use sound in medicine, mostly infrasound. Yeah, so high, um, um, so, you know, uh, I'm sorry, I beg your pardon, ultrasound. So high frequency. Um, sound. Uh, we use this for imaging. We use this for um, surgical purposes. Uh, it's used in various treatments. Um, it's used for you know physiotherapy. So there, there is a, a very much um, a recognition of high frequency sound. I think low frequency sound has been much less explored, and that's that's really um, where where I'm interested in exploring this. Um, you know, as you say, you mentioned the monks. There's a lot of uh, sacred. Um, composers, you know, people like Bach and Monteverdi, who were composing music for church organ, uh, which actually the church, a, a typical church organ has two octaves below the hearing threshold. And infrasound, low frequency sound, um, there's more, more work needs to be done on this, but it, um, some people do think it's, it's very closely associated with the sense of awe and wonder. So playing low frequency sounds in a big stone building that's going to move and vibrate through your feet as you stand there and as you sing. Um, some people do believe, anthropologists, some of them do believe that it's the basis of what we call religious experience. You know, the sense of awe and wonder that one feels. And there's such good um, research increasingly coming out about, you know, if you can reliably reproduce awe, and wonder and flow state to some extent, which is connected to those two things in your life, you know, the outcomes are profound uh, in, in terms of longevity, in terms of happiness, in terms of creativity, in terms of community. So in a sense, in one real, very real sense, what I'm most interested in is, a is having a way in which anyone potentially can access awe and wonder uh, in their life, given that we all, you know, we all don't have a mountain that we can climb up and go <gasps> at the top of. Uh, you know, are there other ways that we can reliably and consistently bring awe into our lives? And, and I think frequency, particularly low frequency, is, from, from, what, from my experience, is it's the most consistent way that we can do that. This is so interesting to me. And 
I, I know part of your work is in trauma and, you know, there is a percentage of the population that has experienced trauma, but a large percentage of your work as well is about addressing the physiological components of anxiety, right? And so everybody's got anxiety. So I, I'd love to talk about, in a clinical setting, some of the work you've done to address trauma, stress, and anxiety, and, and how this has evolved technologically, because I think this is so cool. Yeah, I mean, I think the, it's really just a spectrum. Um, and again, from an anthropological point of view, uh, it's very, very likely that anxiety is the human blueprint. Yeah, the people who weren't anxious enough got eaten. <laughs> the people that weren't sufficiently paranoid, you know, didn't check whether there was a bear in the back of that cave or whether they had enough food to last them through the winter, and they didn't make it. So um, it's very likely that humans are essentially hardwired for a degree of anxiety and paranoia, and this makes complete sense. Um, you know, we are the dominant species on the planet because we've learned to survive and pass on our genes. And also we've learned to stand upright and grow food, which, uh, you know, most other species haven't. But uh, a big part of it is actually si simply being a little bit anxious. Yeah, so there is, um, I also like to kind of flip our uh, perception around what we call anxiety and to show that actually in the right kind of circumstances, it can be a real superpower. Yeah. So we can, of course, freeze, which is one of the most, uh, most common autonomic nervous system responses, flight, fight, freeze, also freak and fawn. There's a lot of Fs in there. So we, ha you know, we have this very primitive nervous system, uh, uh, the autonomic nervous system, which we've had for hundreds of millions of years, long time before we were human. We've only had a huge, what we can call a human brain for a million years, maybe. So um, this survival response uh, from the autonomic nervous system, from the, the lower brain, is hardwired into our cells in a way that our thinking and rational response isn't. Which is why you know you you can panic attacks and uh, anxiety, fear, trauma are not related to education, to intelligence. And I know plenty of highly highly intelligent people that you know that can be anxious or have panic attacks. So I think you know accepting that uh, to some degree a level of anxiety is normal. Yeah, and. Um, as somebody at an eco-conference I was at the other day said, you know, if you're able to look at the world and you're not anxious at the moment, then you're not looking hard enough. You know, because, you know, we, 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 live in, we live in, for good and bad, incredibly unique times. Now, this generation of people that are growing up now, nobody has ever lived in anything even remotely like this before. You know, our children are growing up with technology in a way that, you know, even we didn't, right, you know, just, just a few years ago. Um, and the world where... Um, the information, the level of information that's being directed at you is continuously overwhelming. So, so you know, so trying to trying to have moments of silence, trying to have moments of stillness, um, is a lot of what we try and do with our work. Hey guys, Dr. Richard here. For the past seven years, I've been privileged to bring you incredible guests who are changing the world and can help you become the best version of yourself. I'm really excited to share with you a new quiz that I created based on my clinical training that will curate for you a custom list of my top episodes and actionable strategies to help you wherever you are on your journey. All you need to do is go to drrichardschuster.com to take it, and it's 100% free. 
You'll be taking the next step on the journey to unlocking the power of you, and I can't wait to see where you'll go. And I, I think that's what you talked about is the point, right? Like not finding the bear in the cave, not being anxious enough to find the bear in the cave. Like that, that makes intuitive sense. I think the difference between the world we're in now and the world of 10,000 BC, you know, where you're fighting woolly mammoths and stuff is that we're now in an ever present cycle of continual stress. And whether that stress comes from watching the news and seeing what the next strain of, you know, COVID looks like, or we, we are not designed to be in a perpetual state of stress. The body is designed to identify, immediately react. Like you said, it's all autonomic and you see the bear and you get out of there. Um, But the bear is everywhere now, or at least for many of us, we perceive the bear is everywhere. So talk to us. I want to talk specifically about some of the technology that you've created. I know you said that you were, you know, back in, back many years ago, putting speakers under pillow and basically subwoofers that would, you know, generate the, these frequencies. Talk to us about how that technology has evolved and, and how you're directly using it with people today. Mm. Well, so um, I've, I've used my training in mindfulness and uh, breathing and meditation for decades, but um, there was a, a kind of transition from that, that kind of teaching to technology as it became more and more obvious that people's ability to engage with these kind of classical meditation techniques was becoming um, harder and harder for them to do. You know, so whereas um, 10, 15 years ago, I could say to a stressed out city exec, you know, do 45 minutes a day of this exercise and come back to me in a month. Um, you know, it got to the point where most people couldn't do a 10 minute app guided session. You know, they were feeling anxious. They were looking at their watch. They were wondering whether they were doing it right. They were actually feeling worse in many ways. So techno- in a, as technology has brought us to this place, uh, it seemed fitting somehow that we, you know, we combat this with technology as well. So, I, so I was using more and more technology in the clinic. Uh, we were developing the um, uh, IV, the intravenous protocol for a uh, very market Swiss clinic. Uh, and one of my doctors was out there, and he phoned me up and said, "They've got this really interesting bit of kit here. I think you should uh, have a look at it." So we did, and we, you know, and I, we got one, and we became the UK representatives for this um, sound bed technology, which was fantastic. Uh, it had been developed for the U.S. Army, actually, um, for soldiers coming back from Iran and Iraq with PTSD, with uh, um, chronic pain and chronic insomnia, and, and had amazing uh, up to 96% success rates with these very, very intractable cases. So we started using it pretty much for everybody in the clinic. Um, and, um, you know, we had we had a very clear before and after. So we were able to see that results, outcomes, um, uh, uh, ability for people to stay within a program was significantly enhanced through the use of this technology. Um, and and uh, while using it myself one day, which I you know I would always use a patient ca- patient cancellation as an opportunity to jump on 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 the gear. I had this kind of eureka moment, uh, and the whole thing was just kind of downloaded. Really, I've had this a few times in my life. You know, the, the blueprints, everything, uh, which formed the basis of the patent. Um, and I realized that we could get rid of this big uh, piece of hardware by turning the body into the hardware. And that's really, that's the inventive step. So uh, the Sensate device, um, which is what, you know, what I now use, it's a small device, you know, relatively speaking, that goes on the chest. Uh, It contains, um, uh, you know, um, 1% or 10th of a percent of the the hardware of the stuff we were using in clinic, 
with about 75, 80% of the same outcomes. So pretty amazing. And the big, the big difference really is that people can use it at home. Yeah, so they can use it every day, several times a day, uh, at home uh, or at work during during lunch hour or whatever. So it's it's very available. You know, it's not you don't have to go to some expensive upmarket clinic to have this. You can have one at home and you can use it, and you can therefore use it to self learn how to self regulate and control your own uh, stress and anxiety in your own autonomic states. So this is really interesting. So essentially. The soldiers were lying on these, you, you called them sound beds. So I presume yes. they were these large beds that had all these, you know, speakers and vibrational devices in the bed. And then you shrunk it down to something, you know, small that people can wear around their neck and, and put on their chest. So how is the little device doing what the giant device did? So the giant device um, was essentially using the bed as the vibrating resonance platform. Uh, and also you've got a lot of muscle in your back, right? Um, so you've got to use really quite intense frequency to get through that muscle and have an effect. By uh, having a small device that goes on the chest uh, and which produces low frequency sound coordinated with what you hear in the headphones, you turn the chest through bone conduction into the vibrating medium. So that's really what we're doing. So everybody, has a thoracic space, you know, a lot, there's a lot of air above the diaphragm, you know, in, in, including the heart is partially empty. The lungs obviously are empty, lots of space around the diaphragm. Lot, it's, a, it's a big air containing uh, area. So um, by, by playing low frequency sound on the chest, you're using the chest as like a speaker cabinet. So if you've got a beautiful hi-fi, you can have a gorgeous um, speaker but if the if the um, if there's a crack or the speaker cabinet isn't much good, the sound isn't going to be good. So we're we're essentially turning your chest and everybody's chest is different. So that's the beauty beauty of it. There's a personal bespoke experience uh, which each, which for each person is different. Uh, we're turning your chest into this this um, a resonating medium, and that then passes through the body uh, via the water and the fascia and the connective tissue into the rest of the body. Yeah. The autonomic nervous system, as you know, Dr. Richard runs behind through the body, right? But uh, particularly major branches of it run behind the sternum. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's a great place to access uh, and have a gentle impact uh, on toning the autonomic nervous system non-electrically. Yeah. So generally speaking, if you want to um, have a major impact on the nervous system, you've got to use electrical current. You have to use it at a place where the nervous system comes relatively close to the surface, um, it, presuming you're not just doing muscle activation. So either implantable device or a headset or in the ear or on the throat, um, you can't really access electrically uh, the nervous system easily via the chest, but you can with sound. And sound is also, you know, it's ubiquitous. Um, it's incredibly safe. And it's also incredibly enjoyable, which is the key. Yeah. It's not just um, for me when I was inventing this technology and when I was experiencing it myself, it was really clear that one of the keys were that it had to be easy and simple and there had to be no prior experience necessary, but also it had to be really enjoyable. If you want people to repeat something and it become a positive habit and to grow neurons over time, it's got to, it's got to feel nice. So I'm curious, what has been, you know, and what's the name of the product, by the way? Sensate. Sensate. Okay. So Sensate has 
been on the market for a few years now? Yes, yeah, so about coming up for three years. We we were in stealth mode for a couple of years in clinic and then went public as it were. And you're a consumer. This is a consumer technology. This is not a medical device. No, I mean, that was a, that was a very distinct decision to make the technology available because it was so safe and so effective and required no experience or physician to use it. I wanted it to be direct to consumer so that people could start benefiting from it immediately. I mean, I, it was patented and envisaged prior to the pandemic, um, but we started launching it um, in, a, in, a, in a very clearly anxiety escalating world and then the pandemic hit. Right. So, you know, I, I, you know, we knew there was a, a huge problem that we wanted to have um, uh, the, our solution available for as quickly as possible. So I'm curious because I know that this was essentially the, the seminal research and technology was really built for soldiers. Um, since you've launched the consumer version, what has been some of the feedback experiences and, you know, practical applications for, you know, working moms and busy dads and just people who just want to chill out. So what would have been kind of the feedback, the experiences, the data, what is it showing? Yeah. I mean, the feedback is remarkable. Um, and it's kind of what keeps us all going actually, because, uh, running a tech startup during a pandemic and then during a global, um, crisis, uh, you know, economic crisis is pretty tough. Yeah. Uh, we've done incredibly well. We're, we're selling very well, uh, but the reviews, that, you know, and the personal experiences, the spontaneous testimonials that people write into us with are heartwarming, and, and, and they are what keeps the team going. So, it's, you know, we don't particularly solicit um, people's opinion, but uh, you know, here's stressed and anxious people taking time out of their busy day to go on the website, find our reply form or our email, and write to us usually with some version of you've changed my life. You know, this has done more for me in two weeks than 10 years of X therapy, medication, whatever it might be. Um, so, um, and, and this is very, very consistent. Yeah. So it's because it's um, very easy to use. It requires, you don't have to have a level of experience for, mo for most interventions, most self-help interventions to work. You've got to put in quite a lot of effort and work maybe over months or years. Um, so for, you know, to learn how to meditate, which is a, you know, an amazingly effective intervention, you've got to spend, you know, an, half an hour to an hour a day for five to 10 years to become good at it. Now, most people are not going to do that, right? <laughs> so, um, so, here, so that, and, and I, and I was clear about that. So, uh, we developed something which works for most people from the first 10 minute session. And we can tell that both from their feedback, but also from how, you know, what people report, uh, how people score their personal experience. And the nice thing, just last point, sorry. The last, the last thing about the nervous system is that as you grow neural networks, yeah, so by, you know, we are what we do. So the more you develop a habit of relaxation and calm and stillness, the stronger the neural network around that response becomes. And it doesn't really atrophy as well. It pretty much, you know, when you build a neural network in your brain, you know, between the brain and the body, it doesn't really go away. It stays there. Uh, whereas, you know, going to the gym, by the time you've left the changing room, your muscles are already starting to get weaker. Yeah. So the difference between toning nerves and toning muscles is profound. Very cool. I, lo I love this. You know, I, we talked offline, but, you know, technology and, and 
body. Like biotech is just one of the coolest things. And you're doing some really neat work in this space. Uh, Stefan, this has been a really interesting conversation. I can't believe how quickly the time has flown by. As you know, I wrap up every episode by asking my guest a single question. And that is, what is your biggest helping? That one most important piece of information you'd like somebody to walk away with after hearing our conversation today? Well, actually, I'd like them to literally walk away with it. Um, I think getting outside, not just in a gym, being outside in nature, walking and therefore breathing is the most important thing any of us can do. You know, get out there and walk. If you can't walk, move in some other way. But we we need to walk and we need to breathe. That's that's a, a, an essential human function. Beautiful. I love that. Tell us, Stefan, where people can learn more about the work you're doing in the world. So the product and information about it, my blog, et cetera, are all available at getsensate.com. That's get, uh, S-E-N-S-A-T-E, sensate.com. And um, we've created a special code um, for your listeners, uh, uppercase um, sensate T-D-H. If people put that in at checkout, they'll, they'll get a $20 discount. Beautiful. Thank you so much for doing that. And thank you as well for all of the work that you're doing in the world. You are changing lives and we need more people like you, Stefan. Thank you, Dr. Richard. Well, I, again, I greatly enjoyed having Stefan on the show. So, uh, so grateful to him. And I'm grateful to each and every one of you who took time out of your day to listen to this conversation. If you like what you heard, if you're excited, if you're intrigued, go give us a follow on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review because that is what helps other people find the show. But most importantly, go out there today and do something nice for somebody else, even if you don't know who they are, and post it in your social media feeds using the hashtag MyDailyHelping because the happiest people are those that help others. 